Good morning, good morning. Mark chapter 2, if you take your Bibles and turn with me there. It has been some time since we have been uh, back to the Gospel of Mark. I want to thank you on behalf of both uh, Wendy and myself for your prayers for us. Um, We were sick. There is just no other way around it. So I am am, um, grateful for your continued prayers for us. It was um, a delight, although it's miserable being sick. It was a delight to um, join even last Sunday, um, the live feed, um, to sit and listen to Aaron preach. Just a phenomenal message from Luke chapter 15, a gospel message. Uh, I hope that if you are not worshiping with us or you're away at some point, that you understand that you can join in by way of a live feed or go back and watch any of the messages that we want to make available to you. Because it's really about the Word of God getting out any way that we possibly can. Um, I just love that song that we sang, Hallelujah, What a Savior. Um, Matt read a couple verses from Isaiah in chapter 53. It says, By His wounds we are healed. By His wounds we are healed. Our only only hope, our only help is through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And we just rejoice at that very truth. Uh, let's let's bow our heads together and go into um, go before the Lord in prayer uh, before we dig into um, His Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before You and we are just so grateful for who You are and all that You have done for us. We we thank You, Lord, for the freedoms that we have to uh, worship You with such openness. God, I would ask that we would never take this um, that that gift of freedom and the graces you've given to us uh, for granted. Uh, Father, help us, Lord, to understand that um, time is short, that we have, a, uh, we have a mission to accomplish. We have a role to fulfill as followers of Jesus, and we need your strength. We need the truth of your word, and we need the power of your spirit to guide us every single step of the way. Father, I pray for every single person that's here right now, all the busyness of the past week. Uh, God, we just ask that you would just free our minds from that. The concerns or burdens, Lord, of the week to come. God, help us to focus on you and you alone. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this church, this body of believers. We thank you, Lord, for perhaps even those that are visiting today. Uh, We would ask, God, that they would feel warm and welcome at a place that you reign and rule. Uh, Father, I I pray for my brothers as they stand in pulpits in our community here preaching the truth of the gospel. Uh, Encourage them. uh, Use them, Lord, as we together seek to be uh, very clear with the message of God's love and the hope that is offered through the Lord Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. We give you all of the glory for these few moments that we have now. Guide us now, direct my mind, um, and may you be glorified in our efforts to learn more of you this morning. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Okay, we've had a couple weeks on our vision. We had a couple weeks in Christmas even prior to that. So it's been a while. We have to kind of reprime the pump, our thinking a little bit. 
If you remember, the Gospel of Mark is to the point, get to the point type of style. We have um, had Jesus introduced to us. He was announced by John the Baptist. He was baptized. He was tempted in the wilderness, yet remained unstained the entire time, preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The only way to enter the kingdom of God is to repent and believe. We have seen him in ministry displaying unprecedented knowledge as he teaches and unparalleled power as he rescues and heals. He demonstrates power over the demons, power over sickness. Uh, We talked about him healing a man with the disease of leprosy as a reminder and a type, in a sense, of the disease that we have of sin and that it is only the Lord Jesus Christ who can truly heal us. Now, if you recall, Mark chapter 1 coming to a close... Jesus, as far as the individual, the person being introduced, was becoming more well-known within the region. He was not seeking attention, but he was getting attention. Word was getting out that Jesus was in. Crowds were larger. The ministry was getting traction. Today we would use the term, what, Jesus has gone viral. In social media language, it would be, that Jesus had friends and likes and retweets. It's very obvious Jesus never sought to be popular, but he was there to fulfill a purpose. He had a mission, and the mission was what? Not to be served, but to serve. Likewise, our marching orders as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians, one like Christ, we're not here to be served, but to Serve. We pick up um, our text, Mark chapter 2, the first 12 verses, an amazing narrative that describes who Jesus is and how we can learn more about him this morning. Mark chapter 2, follow along as I read the first 12 verses. And when he returns to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, 
I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So here it is. Here's the narrative. Jesus in a sense, is returning, we could call it from a self-imposed exile, um, in order to just get a break. You ever come to a place where you just have to get away, particularly from the press of the crowds? And Jesus returns to his hometown of Capernaum. It says, after some days, we don't know how long, you need a break Two days, three days, maybe five days a week after some days. And yet still, somehow, word gets out. And once again, typical for Jesus at this point in his ministry, the place is packed. It says very specifically, there was no more room even at the door. I read one commentator described it like this. It was as crowded as a Big Woods parking lot, 9.30 on Sunday morning. <clears throat> it really wasn't in the commentator that I, I read that. Standing standing room only. What, what had happened is that Jesus was there. The, the crowd pressed in to see Him, to hear Him, even to touch Him. And as usual, Jesus was what? Preaching the word to them. Same message. The word is what? The word means the gospel. Jesus was preaching the word from God. Jesus was preaching the word about salvation. The word is the kingdom of heaven and how to enter it in repentance by grace through faith. Even with, even with the popularity, the priority of Jesus remains on mission, on message. He is what? He is absolutely unmoved by the press of the crowds. He is undaunted. He is unwavering in his divine appointment and assignment. He has one mission to make sure what? Desiring his heavenly Father kingdoms come and his will be done. That's what the focus is all the way through. We see our lesson number one, first and foremost, is that faith can be visible. And we see this in this, what I call, broken roof. Faith can be visible. Here's what's happening. Somewhere at the back of this crowd, there was a man who was a paralytic unable to walk on his own power. Was he a paraplegic, paralyzed from the waist down? We don't know, it doesn't say. Was he a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down? We don't know. All we know is that he he had to be carried, and he was carried on some kind of an improvised stretcher, probably just, just some woven material with a couple poles fastened on either side. He's carried by four friends. But because the sides of the crowd prevented him from getting close, there's a situation that arises. Think about it. You have 
one man who's being carried and you have four men carrying him. That's five men, okay? And they are faced with one problem. Men together have a problem in order to solve. Somewhere, somebody said what? I have, I have an idea. That's a scary thought right there. A bunch of men getting together saying, I've got an idea on this. I'm, I'm reminded uh, recently, someone told me how many men does it take to screw in a light bulb. Uh, and my wife would love this one, one more than if women were doing it. There's something that men, we just, we just love to be together. We love to work together. We love to solve problems together. We love to cut holes in roofs together. We love to improvise or to specialize in something, anything. That's the situation here. These men looked around. They looked up and, and, and perhaps they found some steps in the back of the building or they grabbed a ladder But they went on the roof for a quick little roofing job. What they do, it says that they're uncovering some tiles. They're probably um, made of thatched sticks or straw with mud to harden them, as was the custom at that particular time. And tying some ropes onto the edge of this little little makeshift um, uh, stretcher. They lower this man down right in the middle, right in front of Jesus who is teaching. Now these, these men, these, these men were determined that Jesus could help their friend. They were convinced. You're not going to bust a hole in a roof unless you're convinced, unless you know there can be a solution to the problem. I don't know about you, but I just love, I love these men. I love their ingenuity. I love their eagerness. I want to hit the pause for a minute on this, on this narrative, on this story. I don't, I don't want to sermonize. I don't want to stretch the text. It's not here directly, but it's clearly implied. It reminds me of what? That there are oftentimes obstacles that we face when it comes to bringing people to Jesus. And yet, like these men facing an obstacle, they didn't give up. I think about some of the obstacles that we face. People's schedules don't fit. Or, or, or a sickness. Just situations that prove difficult. But let me, let me encourage you, like these four guys, don't give up. Stick to it. Stick with it. Someone is paralyzed, perhaps in their sin. And it's your job to introduce them to Jesus. There's, there's, something, there's something amazing. I've heard story after story after story after what? Uh, a faithful wife who doesn't give up in praying for her unsaved husband. Year after year after year after year. And she sticks to it. I've heard on more than one occasion of a faithful mom who prays for a wayward child, a rebellious son or daughter. And mom and dad, don't give up. They still pray. They stick to it. I think there's something right here that we can learn from these these friends implied within the text that is a good reminder and challenge for us 
on the responsibility we have of introducing others to those who are in need. The only one who can help and heal. And that is Jesus. Back to the, the story. Amidst the what? Amidst there's pieces of dust and dried mud and, and probably straw that is falling down in front of everyone. And you've got this crowd of people that are listening to Jesus. And they obviously notice that something's going. And, and, and they look up to see. And I'm thinking about these like four faces that are kind of peering over. And they're looking down, maybe smiling nervously. There's no recorded words of... Uh, excuse me, um, we hate to interrupt you. There's nothing like that here. And everyone, what? Everyone, all their attention is drawn to the teacher. Now, we understand, men, we know this, that whenever we come up with what we think is a great idea, we've got a great idea here, it can always go one of two ways. There's an element of risk that is seen here with these guys. They got an idea. We're going to bust a hole through the roof. We're going to drop this guy down in. They're peering down in. And now everything, all the attention is right there in front of Jesus. The master teacher. Big Woods is blessed as a church that we, for some reason, we have a lot of teachers in our midst here virtually every elementary school, junior high, high school, college professors. You and I know teachers hate to be interrupted when they're in the middle of teaching something. And that's, that's it right here. That's exactly what has happened. And this isn't, um, this isn't uh, excuse me, Mr. Jesus. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's bigger than all of that. Excuse me. Mr. Lord Jesus the Christ is who they are interrupting. They, they are interrupting what? The Messiah of the entire world. Jesus is the master teacher, the master communicator. And in that moment of awkwardness, this could go one of two ways. Jesus sees and seizes a teaching moment. There's a lesson here that can be learned. I love the wording. I love the wording of verse 5. I think it's my favorite phrase in the whole text. And when Jesus saw their faith. And when Jesus saw their faith. Now, wait a minute. I almost thought, did I read it correctly? See Faith. He, he saw what? He saw the roof opened and he saw the dust and the mud and the straw fall down. He, he saw the stretcher being lowered and he saw the ropes and he saw the crippled man. But faith. How does one see faith? I'm reminded Hebrews chapter 11. The definition of faith. Begins in verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Which means what? Faith in and of itself is intangible. It's invisible. You, you can't hold faith. 
It's untouchable. Yes, in and of itself, it cannot be seen. But according to what we see in Scripture, the conviction, the assurance of one's faith is seen, is very visible. Why? How? Through one's actions. Now, it's interesting about the idea of faith. I'm going to pause on this for a minute and expand on it. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrew expands on this idea of faith. In verse 3, they write, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In order to help understand faith a little bit, God takes us, what? To creation. And He takes us to the fact that He works at a different level than we do. God works on a different plane than we do. God goes, God goes to creation to help define and understand faith. That's why I think that creation as a doctrine is so important for us. So important. God's creation was accomplished, what? By His Word. All of creation by His Word. It's the Latin phrase, ex nihilo. It means out of nothing or from nothing. Everything that we can see, created by a spoken word from nothing. God is saying what the entire universe All existing matter is so important for you to understand. That's why this doctrine is so important. God is saying what? He did not make the the universe out of any existing matter as some people wrongly and falsely believe. You, you You want to add to God's literal spoken word? with some cheap idea that the rest of the world has come up with. It, it, it has taken millions and millions of years for you to evolve from, from slop to, to be stamped the image of the Almighty Creator. Go ahead and believe that, but you will have no faith according to what God has designed and intended for you to have. That's the example here. We're talking about faith that is seen because faith in and of itself moves and it takes risk. You read it and see it, know it all over Scripture. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abel offered. Abraham obeyed. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. It's always an action. Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel conquered, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched fires, escaped the edge of of the sword. Big things. These are all big things. Big things happen. God does huge things when people have faith in Him. In fact, it says later in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is, you know it, it is impossible to please God. 